We're just days away from the beginning of the semester for college and university students. What will it look like in COVID? Hello and welcome to the Unpublished Cafe. I'm Ed Hand. Higher learning will have a new look due to the pandemic. Colleges and universities are shifting more to an online model with a few options for smaller in-person learning. In the U.S., some universities return to class only to have to shut down due to outbreaks of COVID. How will teachers and students adapt? How will it be as safe as possible? What's going through the minds of parents? As with this pandemic, we're learning a new way to do things. Coming up on the Unpublished Cafe, we'll hear from the teachers and their concerns, as well as students that will be the guinea pigs in this. They have their own thoughts. First, let's look at the health aspect of returning with Amir Adaran, professor in the faculties of law and medicine at the University of Ottawa. And Amir, how comfortable are you with the plans to return for college and university students? Well, personally, I'm fortunate because the University of Ottawa, where I am, is not going to be holding in-person classes. Um, All of that's going to happen online. Now, other institutions aren't being as clever as this, if I can be so blunt. Uh, The University of Toronto is planning an in-person return, contrary to the advice of its own epidemiologists, by the way. Um, And in the U.S., As I'm sure you know, Ed, uh, Mm. many universities and colleges have opened up with catastrophic results for their students and a total failure to to maintain education on a steady keel for the students. There doesn't seem to be a common thread between, you know, how colleges and universities are are offering classes. And you you use the U of Ottawa and University of Toronto as an example. Is that part of the problem that everybody just makes up their own idea? Well, it seems to be. Um, and that's not just a university and college problem. I mean, if you look at the microcosm of, of schools, you know, K through 12, um, in Ontario, the Ministry of Education has not decided on any minimum standards that apply throughout the province for schools. Instead, they've left uh, a very large part of it uh, to the schools, the, to the school boards. To decide. And here in Ottawa, we have several school boards. We've got English, we've got French, we've got Catholic. They're not converging on the same decisions. In other words, what's happening is a devolution um, where the highest level of government with the most resources, the most knowledge, the closest connection to the public health establishment and the Ministry of Health is punting and is leaving much less resourced school boards to make decisions. That's happening in our schools, and it's going to be a a terrible look um, before too long, but it's also happening in universities, and I think that's less recognized as true. Would it be prudent to allow schools, colleges, universities, and areas with little or no infection to become more open, or is that just inviting trouble? It depends where you are. Um, And in places with just absolutely negligible amounts of COVID, let's take Prince Edward Island. If you were to open the university, you probably wouldn't see too much bad happening as a result. You'd have to, of course, monitor as you went along. But Ontario is not Prince Edward Island, nor is Quebec. And... um, Increasingly, we're seeing cases flaring in Alberta and B.C., basically most of the country. In those settings, 
it is more dangerous. You have to think that universities and schools and colleges, all of these institutions, they are not in isolation from the communities in which they're situated. If COVID transmission is prevalent in the community, the schools and the colleges and universities will be affected by it. Amir Adaran joining us in the Unpublished Cafe, professor in the Faculties of Law and Medicine at the University of Ottawa. As we talk about colleges and universities returning this fall, and and let's face it, for for some students, uh, well, for most students, this is going to be a whole different look. Uh, and for those who are going to be and actually in the school, dorm life is is never going to be the same, is it? Oh, of course not. And and you know, in many universities and have shut down dorms for that reason. But, um, you know, classes aren't going to be the same if you conduct them in person. You'll have to have you know, tremendous social distancing. Some, some educational arrangements are very hard to socially distance. Think of a kindergarten. You, you know, kids mm-hmm. cry. They, they have little meltdowns in, in kindergarten because they're, they're, they're young things. How many kindergartner te- uh, kindergarten teachers have not in their career dealt with that by giving the child a hug? That's, of course, what you do. But how do you do that in the age of COVID? Yeah. That's going to be very difficult. The quality of education, will it be the same or pretty close? I think that remains to be seen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one advantage that universities have over less resource schools is they've had a decade now uh, to practice online education. And if you look at the top universities, let's take Massachusetts Institute of Technology, for example, they've been putting all of their courses, nearly all online for years. That's not to say that they don't unfold in person. They do, but you can get the same content on a computer because the the lectures are videotaped and such. Those resources are there. And teachers in the university setting, many of them have gained experience with online teaching in previous years. They They are now forced into it by circumstance, but they don't, many of them, come to it cold. I'm much much more frustrated and saddened by the situation in the schools because school teachers have not had reason to develop that way of teaching until now. And they are being thrown in at the deep end. It's very, very hard on them. And I I have the greatest sympathy for the situation they're in, particularly because the, the province, at least here in Ontario, but other provinces too, Alberta, uh, Quebec have been deeply unsympathetic and grudging in the needs that the teachers face to pull this off. Why do you think that is? Stinginess. I mean, in, in the case of Alberta, for instance, which is the richest province in Canada on a per capita basis, they've got money. Um, it's actually the federal government that has put additional money into the greatest extent for safe reopening of the schools. The province has chipped in very little. Um, likewise, in Ontario, not, same, not to the same extent, but it's federal funding that we see that is largely floating the ship um, for these schools. Uh, the provinces lack commitment. 
if, if one wants to be conspiratorial about it, I think the following is a fair theory. If you wanted in Ontario to open the schools safely, you'd have to cut class sizes down, probably just about half of them, which would mean spending a lot of money on additional teachers and additional classroom space that you'd have to you know, conduct classes in non-traditional spaces, mm-hmm. conference rooms, uh, you know, disused storefronts, that kind of thing. That would cost a lot of money. That would be, however, the safe way of going about it. Now, it could be that the Ford government doesn't want to spend this money, but they also don't want to admit that, that they're doing anything unsafe or they don't want to take the deeply unpopular decision of simply not opening schools. So uh, what they're doing, in my interpretation, is they're opening the schools with inadequate safeguards, knowing, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, that is unlikely to last for more than a couple months before the schools must close due to a lack of preemptive safety. And then when that happens, the Ford government can simply blame it on the pandemic rather than their own refusal to spend the money to do it properly. That's you what know, I think is going. Now, if, if I think that what people that we are not talking about now are the parents, especially for first year students, how do you assure or, or, or make those parents feel comfortable that their son and daughter is going off to college university? Well, I don't know that I can. I, I really don't know that I can. If, mm-hmm. if I had a child um, who were heading off to the University of Toronto with its current plans, I would not sleep easy. And in fact, I would be very clear with my child that I hope that does not happen. That uh, you know, where distance learning is an option, that is the, the option to choose. Um, but of course, some other universities are exclusively relying on distance learning, and then you can sleep easy. Um, if I were an American parent and I were sending my child, you know, say to the University of Alabama that's had nearly a thousand COVID cases among its students, wow. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, that would be the year that, that I would do anything to keep that kid out of education. Amir, I want to thank you for joining us. Thanks so much, Ed. Amir Adarantz, professor in the faculties of law and medicine at the University of Ottawa. Now, this summer has been a bit of a learning curve for college and university teachers who have to deliver a curriculum, yet do it in a safe way. Brenda Austin-Smith is with the University of Manitoba and the president of the Canadian Association of University Teachers, and she joins us now. Brenda, how comfortable is your group to return this fall? It depends. (laughs) How's that first trade in? Yeah. It really depends because I think there's a lot of concern on the one hand that um, spaces are safe because universities tend to be very sprawling structures and the buildings have a lot of entrances and exits and there are a lot of people who are dependent on elevators. So there's a lot of concern that some of those spaces won't be particularly safe this fall. And on the other hand, we have people who are aching to get back to their offices and their laboratories and their classrooms. And um, their concern is that they won't be able to engage their students in the way that they really want to in order to ensure high-quality public education. So it's a 
bit mixed. Now, in terms of the University of uh, Manitoba, where you are, is it going to be online? Is it going to be returned to class, or is it going to be maybe a hybrid? It's going to be a hybrid. Most classes in the upcoming fall will be taught remotely with some, you know, synchronous and asynchronous sessions online. But there are some disciplines that are reliant, pretty well reliant, on some kind of in-person instruction. I'm thinking here of chemistry labs, right, biochemistry mm-hmm. labs, um, nursing classes to teach people how to insert a catheter, uh, medical situations in which you have to teach people how to, you know, palpate an abdomen, things like this, um, art classes, uh, pottery classes, music classes. These are things, performance classes, visual arts. These are things that really rely on the body as either the mode, the instrument of performance, or, you know, the target of um, activity. So in these cases, the university is working out safe ways of allowing people to return to labs or students to return to labs, always observing physical distancing and with a lot of hand sanitizers and masking. You know, that's what I was going to ask. It was about, you know, what about these things where you need that hands-on work? Labs were a great example. Or or in some cases, some students need placement as well. I guess that would be put on hold? Yeah, some of that stuff will be either probably suspended or just delayed a little bit. Or some of those internships or those work placements will be altered because, of course, many of the work places themselves are engaged in, um, you know, online service and online production. So it's it's going to mean a, a lot of change. And I think what we at CAUT are really interested in making sure is that there are accommodations where accommodations are warranted and that there's no penalty attached to any of these uh, shifts or changes or delays and that uh, safety and, you know, balancing safety and quality of instruction, that's what we're looking for. Online teaching isn't the same as in-person. How do you make sure those students who are learning online are actually getting it? It's very difficult to ensure. I think one of the things that we talk about a lot at CAUT is leaning on the expertise and the pedagogical expertise of our members. So what we saw in the spring was kind of an instant turnaround, right? Everything shut down. Universities and colleges across the country suspended classes and announced they were going online. And people had about four to five days to convert to what we call emergency remote instruction. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We couldn't even call it online teaching because most people were not Um, not themselves informed about how to go online in a really effective way. That's what the summer has been all about. So people who uh, were fortunate enough not to be teaching in the summer, because many of our members do teach in the summer, and they really had to pick it up. But many members were able to take the summer, and they actually went to online workshops, and they themselves were given support, and uh, people just overhauled their courses and brought their pedagogical chops to the virtual table, I'd say. (laughs) And what we're going to see in the next couple of weeks is people rolling out um, their uh, best informed efforts because people are content specialists, right? Our members are content experts. And what they needed was time to get the, the box 
um, figured out, right? How is mm-hmm. this vehicle going to work? So I have a lot of confidence in our members that they'll be able to um, interact with students in a very good way. And I think what our members are very good at doing is engaging students and appealing to the student's own desire to learn. I mean, there are always maybe some people that you can't reach, but I think key to this uh, this rollout, a successful rollout, is CAU team members being able to engage and communicate with their students and saying, you know what, I'm learning this, you're learning this, we're here to learn together, we're going to have to roll up our sleeves, we're going to have to build some trust. And I think trust is key to this success. Brenda Austin-Smith is joining us in the Unpublished Cafe. She's with the University of Manitoba and the president of the Canadian Association of University Teachers as we talk about college and university students returning in the fall in the midst of the pandemic. Now, I've interviewed quite a few university professors in, in the last little while, and the one thing they've talked to me about is I've really got to get better with Zoom. I've got to learn. Are are, are teachers getting some support on that? Yes, they are, but I think they always need more. I think what universities and colleges are coming to terms with is that um, online support, Zoom teaching, whether you're using Zoom, WebEx, Teams, there are a number of uh, platforms available, is that no one is an instant expert. And so what we see are more and more universities and colleges realizing there's a resource call here and uh, people can't go it alone. And in many cases, what colleges and universities have to do is make available some more technical support. This can mean uh, offering student placements, actually, talk about internships and, you know, Mm work-study stuff, our employers have an opportunity to put some money into some student uh, training so that students themselves can be paid to assist people in getting their Zoom courses and classes up and running and serve as kind of TAs or class kind of helpers to make sure that chat line, the chat function is monitored, things like that. But the other thing we realize is that students and faculty, students and academic staff may also need a little bit more assistance from the employer when it comes to just getting an adequate webcam or making sure that your internet is strong enough, right? That you Mm -hmm. have adequate access to a good, steady Wi-Fi connection. So again, universities and colleges may need to divert more of their their funds um, away from the usual and actually dedicate some stuff to say, okay, you people need to get a really good, strong Wi-Fi signal. So here's a fund that we're willing to let you tap in order that you can actually broadcast what you need to broadcast when you need to broadcast it. Brenda, I want to thank you for joining us. Oh, thanks very much, Ed. You stay safe. Brenda Austin-Smith is the president of the Canadian Association of University Teachers. Of course, those at the heart of the issue are the students. Many saw their last semester go up in flames when the pandemic first arrived. Now that the September semester is here, it'll be a different look for many. Brenda Chastelain is the chair of the Canadian Association of Student Associations, and he joins us now. And Bryn, are, are students worried about the return to college and university? I think they're definitely a, a little bit concerned and, and just mainly because uh, a lot of us are uncertain of what the fall semester is going to bring. You know, for, for many of us, uh, we're moving to online delivery, taking classes 
uh, all online is, is definitely going to be different than a lot of us are used to. Um, so I think there's a lot of concern just because, uh, you know, we're, we're worried about the uncertainty we'll be facing this semester. Is the uncertainty the fact that each university, each college seems to have its own way to approach the pandemic and bringing students back? I think that definitely is a challenge. You know, a, a lot of us have a number of friends at different institutions. And so, uh, you know, all summer, I think all of us have been hearing uh, different things depending on how uh, individual schools are, are handling the COVID-19 pandemic. So it's going to be interesting to compare approaches between institutions and see, uh, you know, what works where uh, and what works well for students. You know, and I guess in your situation, you are uh, going to St. Mary's University in Halifax and, and currently uh, you are isolating. Why is that? Yeah, so I uh, I go to school here in Halifax, but I grew up in Ontario, so I was uh, able to get back for a few weeks in the summer to, to visit with family. And um, yeah, I'm on day nine of my 14-day self-isolation, which is a requirement for uh, all travelers coming into the Atlantic bubble um, from outside of the four Atlantic provinces. Uh, and now they've they've just added in some new requirements for students as well that will mean that every student coming in uh, to the Atlantic bubble will have to get three mandatory tests uh, for COVID-19 while they're here just to make sure uh, that we're keeping the Atlantic bubble safe and keeping COVID cases as low as possible. How do you feel? Uh, how comfortable do you feel about St. Mary's approach to returning? I think there's been a, a tremendous amount of work uh, over the summer to make sure uh, that students are going to be in a position uh, to be safe. And so St. Mary's is going to be uh, fully online in the fall semester, um, but they are looking at a few opportunities to open, uh, you know, certain on-campus services. Uh, so we're hopeful that, you know, our library and our gym might be able to open in the next few weeks. And uh, depending on, you know, the state of public health guidelines and uh, COVID-19 restrictions, there might be a few more opportunities on campus as well. So I'm hopeful that the university will continue to work with public health officials here in Nova Scotia uh, just to make sure that students are going to have opportunities uh, to get together on campus, but to do so safely. How comfortable are you with uh, online learning? Uh, you know, personally, I, I tend to like online learning. It, it's a little bit more uh, at my speed, um, but I'm definitely going to miss kind of the in-classroom component of being able to, uh, you know, kind of feel the energy of being on campus and in the hallways and getting to chat with people as you uh, as you go through your day. Um, but that said, you know, I'm hopeful that uh, professors will have had enough time over the summer to uh, really plan their courses effectively. And uh, so although I'm a little worried uh, just because I haven't been through a fully online semester before, I'm, I'm hopeful that it'll turn out positively. What, what challenges uh, will it provide for students having to learn online? I think one of the biggest challenges that, that we're hearing about um, is, you know, students and their access to different forms of digital technology. So, you know, in Nova Scotia, uh, we don't have uh, very strong Internet access in a lot of uh, rural communities. So I think a lot of students are having to, to really think about whether they might be able to learn effectively from home. Um, and beyond Internet access, I think for a lot of students that relied on using uh, you know, computers or, uh, you know, different forms of technology on campus, they're having to make sure that they have a laptop or a tablet that will let them uh, complete their work and, and attend their courses online. So I think that's one of the biggest challenges because, um, you know, the last thing that we want uh, is students that are, you know, pulling up to school parking lots or sitting outside of cafes in order to make sure that they have the internet to, to write an exam or to submit an assignment. Um, so I'm hopeful that that won't be uh, uh, too much of an issue for students, but it's definitely something that we've been hearing about over the summer.
Brenda Chastelin is the chair of the Canadian Association of Student Associations as he joins us on the Unpublished Cafe talking about the return to college and universities. And we're talking about online learning. And, you know, I, I, there's a number of people who think uh, tuition fees should be reduced with so much online learning. Is that where the students are coming from? We've definitely seen a, a number of uh, petitions and student groups coming forward uh, kind of supporting uh, reduced tuition. And I, I think the important thing to remember here is that, you know, tuition is is one big piece of the pie when it comes to uh, affordability for students. Um, but, you know, a lot of students are really worried about how they're going to be able to afford, uh, you know, paying for groceries and keeping up with rent and other bills that they uh, might need to pay. Uh, and on top of tuition, you know, a really big topic of discussion for students uh, over the summer has been uh, auxiliary fees or, you know, other course fees. So we've seen at a lot of campuses that, uh, you know, if the gym isn't going to be open, then students won't have to pay their membership fee. Uh, but there's a number of other uh, situations where students, you know, are still paying fees uh, for services that they're not sure how they're going to, to receive um, the value for that yet. So I think there's a number of questions when it comes to student affordability uh, and adding these tuition payments in the fall is definitely going to add to that. College and, and university student life, you know, we've all been there. In the U.S., the return to college has already seen the shutdowns again. What's your association telling students if they are returning to class? Yeah, so um, we've been working to make sure that students are aware um, of all of the uh, you know, public health guidelines and, and what they need to do. Uh, from a health perspective, um, and the university's been doing uh, a similar thing here at St. Mary's, making sure that students are well informed, that they have a strong awareness, um, you know, of what the protocols are. Uh, and so we we don't have too many students returning to campus uh, right in September. We'll have some that are joining us uh, on residence, but we also know that our university is continuing to take some time uh, to make sure that we have uh, processes and protocols in place before we have more students coming back. Bryn, I want to thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Brenda Chastelin is the chair of the Canadian Association of Student Associations, and this leads to our unpublished dot vote question. If returning college and university students will be learning online, should tuition be reduced? Yes, no, or unsure? You can log on and vote right now at unpublished.vote and have your voice heard. I want to thank Amir Adaran, professor in the faculties of law and medicine at the University of Ottawa, Brenda Austin-Smith, president of the Canadian Association of University Teachers, and Brenda Chastelin, chair of the Canadian Association of Student Associations. And I want to thank you for listening to the Unpublished Cafe. Stay safe. I'm Ed Hand.